0: The opinions and views expressed on this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. For more information about the show or other programs on KUCI, please log on to KUCI.org for the latest program schedule.
1: The Heather McCoy Show.
2: Yes, it is the Heather McCoy Show. Welcome to it. Uh, Midway through the show, we'll be going through the morning news, which isn't much. It really isn't. Um, and then rounding out the hour, we'll be talking with Robert Larson. He'll join us from the other side of the Cleveland National Forest. But first, we'll start off with a regular contributor, the blogger behind Field of Schemes, Neil DeMoss. Welcome to the show, Neil. Good morning. Morning, and um, on Monday, the city of Seattle and King, the King's County Council, gave final approval to Chris Hansen's 490 million dollar arena plan. But the deal is contingent on Chris Hansen having the money and also finding an NBA team to relocate to Seattle before construction begins. I know Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban wants an NBA team back in Seattle, but since expansion is out of is out as an option, where do you think he'll pluck the team from? And Since uh, this isn't final approval because the deal still can be killed if the state environmental policy comes back with red flags, uh, the council either has the option of greenlighting it or nixing the project. How hard will that be for Mr. Hansen trying to lure a team with that over his head as well?
0: Well, let's I mean, the environmental impact statement, this thing passed the county council 9-0 and the city council 7-2. Mm-hmm. So I think, unless the environmental review comes back and says that Seattle is going to fall into the ocean um, as a <laughs> result of this, I'd be really surprised if they don't either just approve it again or, you know, approve it with some small amendments. Yeah. Um, there's also a lawsuit right now from the uh, Longshoremen's Union who uh, work in the port um, opposing it. Um, so there's a couple little little hurdles. I don't expect those to be that major, although you know I could always be surprised. Um, I think, as you were saying, the bigger issue is where he's going to get a team. Um, and right now they're talking the Kings. Obviously, was everybody talks about when they talk about an NBA team moving? Maybe the Bucks. Maybe the who else is it? Bobcats, I guess, gets talked about sometimes. Timberwolves. Um, it, it's it's still, are talking about teams that haven't even really started, even being rumored to be moving, and are already in cities that are as big as Seattle. Yeah. Um, so, so I, you know, I think everybody assumes that the Kings are both Plan A and Plan B, if not Plan C. Um, but the problem there is, it depends on what the you know whether the Maloofs are willing to sell and what they're willing to sell for. And who knows? I mean, if anybody out there thinks that they can predict what the what the Maloofs are going to do next. Um, I, I, you know, I'm impressed.
2: Yeah, I wouldn't. If I was negotiating with them, I wouldn't say anything was done until I had their signature.
0: Oh, I would wait till way after their signature. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe signature in blood.
2: <laughs> and so, um, some of the long this longshoremen that uh, the arena is going to be built by the bay. How does a longshoreman possible lawsuit? But uh, but maybe like the. Uh, a, a spoke in the or a monkey wrench in the spokes of running this thing through. Yeah,
0: I mean, I mean, basically they're saying that they that they push it through too quickly without enough enough review, uh, enough public review. Um, you know, it, it could force them to go back and and if this this case wins, it could force them to go back and and redo some of the stuff that they've done. But again, I think you know there's strong enough support on both councils that I don't see that as a huge hurdle. Um, and you know I, be, I I think it's far more likely that if it looks like this suit is going to go somewhere that you see either Hansen or one of the councils negotiate with the with the port and say okay what else can we do for you on the side and make this thing go away
2: yeah one of the things about environmental impact reports that I've always been curious about um, what, I have relatives in Fresno and I forget which of the two arenas it was but I was in it was a one by Fresno State and there was a journey concert and I was stuck in traffic for 45 minutes while I was trying to get past the journey concert on to someplace else um, and Does environmental impact reports include like, access to public transportation so people don't always have to count on their cars to go to these events?
0: It should. I don't know what is required and what's optional in Washington state law. Um, but, you know, again, you, you have the option of just throwing it in the environmental impact statement and then, you know, not doing anything about it, saying, well, there will be a detrimental effect on traffic and there's no way to mitigate it, and oh well, and then, you know, the councils are still, um, you know, perfectly capable of looking at and saying, well, okay, we still approve it. Um, I think, you know, a lot of this is going to depend on whether Hanson has any momentum at that point of getting a team. You know, if he's already said, well, I'm in negotiations with the, with the Kings owners, or, you know, I've got a team that's you know, ready to come here, um, there's no way on earth that anybody in Seattle is going to stand in the way of a team coming over something in an environmental impact report. I mean, that's, that's just not how how
1: <laughs> <the> gold <laughs> <the> fields work.
2: <laughs> that's not how the game is played. Yeah. Um, so back in California, the Golden State Warriors have resurfaced in the news regarding their desire to build a waterfront uh, arena in San Francisco. The Warrior CEO made a statement uh, saying, we are pleased to be uh, privately financing the arena with no money coming from the city's a general fund and no new taxes, and look forward to providing an incredible entertainment experience for Bay Area fans. Uh, first off, I would like to point out that he is building an arena and not Disneyland. And uh, second, how do you how uh, how can, I mean how could that, how does a careful phrasing about the city's general fund and no new taxes leave a uh, uh, you know hole for a possible uh, TIF tax to go through?
0: Yeah, I mean, this is this is me reading between the lines a little bit, but uh-huh. just the phrasing, no money from the city's general fund and no new taxes. He didn't say no tax money. He said no money from the general fund or new taxes, and that leaves a big hole, which is existing taxes that don't currently go Exists. to the general fund. So yeah. if you say, okay, let's take all of the existing taxes, property taxes, sales taxes, things like that, that would be generated at this site and instead kick it back to the team. That's a that's a tip, tax increment financing. Yeah. Um, that would fit within this definition. Now, it's possible that he didn't mean that. It's possible that he meant that, but he's not going to get it. It's possible all kinds of things. But, you know, I've been saying all along we have to look really closely at this deal because, um, you know, they've revealed a lot about the site and what the arena is going to look like, but not that much about how the financing is going to work. Mm-hmm. And that always raises red flags for me. You know, mm-hmm. um, Hanson in Seattle, for example, pretty early on, announced how he was going to fund his arena, and the Warriors haven't said it yet. And whenever somebody doesn't say, I always worry that there's going to be some sort of hidden public charge.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, on to the two good old-fashioned staring contests that kind of uh, steal Conan's one of Conan's bits, the first one in St. Petersburg, and the other one in Chicago will first start off in St. Petersburg, where, where uh, Mayor Bill Foster is still holding the Tampa Bay Rays to their lease that states that the Rays can't talk to other cities about new ballparks until their lease with Temp- uh, Tropicana Field is up. Bill Foster Bill Foster, excuse me, is proposing a new site within St. Petersburg, but the Rays don't want to listen to the, until all the options are on the table, i.e. more leverage for the Rays. Uh, one of the possibilities you bring up to try to resolve this is you know to negotiate a cash buyout in exchange for amending the lease so that the Rays can talk to other cities. Uh, is this if this is the end game for the mayor? How long do you think the Rays will resist before breaking down to start this negotiation?
0: That's an excellent question. Um, you know, basically you've got. Right. The, the mayor's only leverage is this lease that allows him to stop the Rays from talking to anybody else other than him. Yeah. And the Rays' only leverage is to refuse to talk to him. So, <laughs> um, you know, it, it 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 really is a staring contest. And how long is is Sternberg of or the Rays going to hold out? It depends on when he thinks that he's not going to get anywhere with Foster.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. Or you know, maybe he thinks he's going to wait out Foster and and try for another, you know the next mayor down the road. Um, you know, he's probably not losing a ton of money or maybe even making a small amount of money in, in uh, St. Petersburg because uh-huh. um, his payroll is fairly low. Um, he's got decent TV revenue, even if he's not selling a lot of tickets. So, you know, he might be willing to, to drag it out a bit longer in the hopes that he really gets what he wants. Um, I think there would have to be some sort of um, direct impetus that it would make him want to rush, you know? Yeah. Um, if he realizes that he's not going to get a better deal, he might say. Or if, you know, Tampa comes up with a plan, for example, that, uh, that you know, requires that have to get done right now, I think he might say, okay, fine, I'll buy you out and I'll go and do this. I, I just think it makes sense from St. Petersburg's perspective because, you know, what they're asking for, which is to be allowed to help build a new stadium for the Rays right after, you know, not that many years after they built the old stadium for the Rays.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: really isn't a, isn't a contest that you want to win um, because, yes, you get to have the raise and not have your, you know, your residents have to drive across a bridge to go see them, but um, you also get a whopping big bill. So, um, you know, I think the upside here would be, okay, fine, we've got a lease, you know, you want to move, we're not going to stand in your way, but if you want to break this lease, we are going to make you buy us out of it. So yeah. that, that's what I would do if I were mayor, but but I'm not.
2: Yeah, do you know when Bill Foster's term is up? No, I don't. Ask me another question. Yeah. I, the, the reason why I say that is that I think maybe the other option, instead of trying to buy his way out of that lease, is possibly you know, funding in the next election so he has a pro-raise mayor and then he can just get that thing off. I wonder which one would be cheaper.
0: Yeah. Um, he was elected in 2009, so it looks like we're looking at another election uh, next fall. Okay. So it's very possible that the Rays are looking to uh, to wait him out and you know I don't know if they would directly, you know, fund an opponent, but certainly they would encourage somebody who uh, to oppose him who would uh, who would look more kindly on their rigged demands. Um, that may actually be the, the point at which we have to see a decision. You know, if yeah. foster gets reelected and they've got another four years they might say, "Okay, fine, forget it." You know, we're you know we're we're not going to wait another four years for a new mayor. But right now, there's no downside to uh, to waiting a year.
2: Yeah. Um, meanwhile, in Chicago, Rahm Emanuel's feud with the Ricketts family continues. Emanuel, how will Emanuel spin it if he finally does break down and proposes a city uh, plan subsidized to uh, f- you know, subsidize the renovations at Wrigley Field?
0: Um, let's see. My guess would be he'll announce that he has successfully gotten the Ricketts family to back down and agree to only accept the three hundred million dollars in public funds or whatever it is. <laughs> yeah. kind up giving them. <laughs> um, you know, there's there's lots of ways to uh, to uh, you know declare victory and surrender, um, but uh, you know, right now it, it's caught up in this bizarre conflict between Emmanuel and the governor of Illinois where they're fighting over who's going to get to be the head of the uh of the state uh, stadium authority um, and apparently other things as well you know it's it's Illinois politics i mean basically everything involves 17 other issues that people are fighting <laughs> over so once that gets resolved then he can go back to fighting with uh Tom Ricketts to get his dad to apologize for making that anti obama ad and then, you know, maybe we'll see what the actual plan is. I mean, what I think is interesting is that because you've had so many different elected officials up there saying, um, accusing each other of sort of being stooges for the Cubs and saying, <laughs> oh, you just want to give money to the Cubs, um, well, it kind of sets the, set the, the tone of the debate a little bit, that yeah. maybe if Emmanuel wants to actually take a hard line, he can. Um, We'll see. You know, um, I again, I don't, I don't. I think it's going to depend more on, you know, where it fits into other things in Chicago politics than whether Rahm Emanuel or me or anybody else thinks it's a good idea to actually give money to the
2: Cubs. Yeah. Um, how do? How have other mayors slipped sides while trying to maintain their credibility?
0: Uh, well, let's see. Mayor Bloomberg in New York uh, announced that he was uh, building a stadium with no public subsidies for the Yankees after saying that. The city couldn't afford public subsidies, so he just declared that there were no public subsidies, <laughs> despite the fact that there were hundreds of millions of dollars of public uh, subsidies. Um, that's a time-honored tradition. Just uh, uh, what's the word that Joe Biden used last Thursday? Uh, uh, <laughs> used. Uh, I miss that blarney. debate. It was something else like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know. Just uh just obfuscate.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh one of the things that I that resurfaced is that was awesome was uh Cleveland's awesome new proposed biodome for the Cleveland Brown Stadium. No word if Stephen Baldwin or Pauly Shore comes with their two hundred million dollar package. Uh any additional thoughts on Biodome and uh why was it proposed to start with? Oh god. So, <laughs>
1: It apparently,
0: was proposed because some guy on the Cleveland City Council thinks that the problem with the Cleveland Brown Stadium is it doesn't have a dome over it. Nobody else thinks this is a problem, but he thinks it would be so cool because you could have, I don't know, the the hugest monster truck rallies ever with a 75,000 seat stadium with a dome over it.
1: Uh, um,
0: and um, so, so they asked around. Okay, who who could do this? And somebody came up with a plan. Okay, well, we could build a geodesic. In stadium, you know, yeah. not touching it because if you built a dome sitting on it, then it would crush it. Yeah. So they said, "Yeah, we could do this. It only costs two hundred million dollars." I don't think anybody thinks that's a good idea. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to spend two hundred million dollars on this, but again, the worry here is less about what is actually being proposed and more about um, the fact that. The more talk there is about what do we do about the problem that the Browns don't have a dome, the more the danger is that somebody's going to actually (laughs) think that there is a problem that needs to be solved. Yeah. Um, And then you start saying, oh, well, instead of a $200 million geodesic dome, how about a $150 million geodesic dome? (laughs) And then, you know, then it's all over.
2: Yeah. Well, get your Windex out, Clevelanders. Um, We'll leave off in your neighborhood in New York where the Yankees can't sell at their new stadium for the ALCS playoffs. What's your very favorite particular feeling on, or particular theory on why this is happening?
0: Um, you know, there's a bunch. The weather's been bad. The team's been bad. Um, the, I, I, you know, personally think that a lot of it has to do with the new stadium and the prices at the new stadium. Um, you know, tickets on StubHub came way, way down for the uh, last minute for the uh, last game against the Orioles. Um, but, I, you know, I just looked online for Game 6 against the Tigers if that happens, And, you know, it's still pretty pricey. I think like 70 bucks is the cheapest seats, and that's wow. below face value. Um, the Yankees have a lot of tickets that aren't sold yet, and I looked at those, and those start at $113. Whoa. And when you add on the fact that it's like 12 bucks for a bucket of popcorn up there um, and that the seats that are going to, you know, you're going to pay 100 bucks a pop for are in the upper deck, which... Is really not a good place to see a ball game from in the new stadium, compared especially compared to the old one. Um, you know, I think that a lot of the fans that sort of used to pack into the stadium, regardless of the weather, you know, the real diehards um, are are you know they're not all being driven away, but some of them have been driven away. Um, you know, I certainly thought about going up to the game when I saw that there were tickets available, and then thought, you know, that's more than I really want to spend for those seats. Yeah. Um, seen a change, you know, it was, it was a, a, a decision made by the Yankees that they were going to change their marketing strategy, right? They were going to sell, they were going to focus more on selling um, expensive seats to people with money and less on selling, you know, lots of seats to sort of diehard fans regardless of whether they had money. That's why the new stadium seats 7,000 fewer people. That's why it's more focused on, um, you know, the expensive uh giant cushiony seats up front and less on, the, on you know, having decent nosebleed seats. Um, and is that the only reason? Probably not. Um, but uh, you, know, you, can, you can never overlook the degree to which New Yorkers hate A-Rod. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but I think it's certainly playing into it. And I think you see fans saying it. You, know? you see plenty of people saying, you know, I would have gone to the game, but I really didn't want to pay those prices. Yeah. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see next year if the Yankees decide, well, maybe it's time to uh, to lower prices a little bit in order to try and draw people back if it's even possible, or whether this is okay with them. You know, they might be all right with three thousand empty seats if uh, they're getting one hundred and thirteen dollars for the ones that do sell,
2: yeah, yeah. I'll leave off uh, with a question I never ask in this segment. It's actually a on the field question. Uh, since Derek Jeter went down with an injury, what does the right side of the Yankees uh, infield look like? Does Alex Rodriguez know how to remember how to play shortstop, or what do they do?
1: Um,
0: I don't think that uh, that that they would try and shift A-Rod back to short on such short notice. Um, you know, he could probably do it if you would start him in spring training and gave him a little bit yeah. of, uh, of workout time there. I mean, he was. He was a way better shortstop, you know, nobody ever says this, but he was a way better shortstop than Derek Jeter when they got him. Um, so he could certainly probably, you know, stumble ineffectually after balls as well as Jeter did before he got hurt.
1: Um, I, I love Derek
0: Jeter, but he has never been able to, to, you know, move to get balls. Um, so, yeah, they'll probably just stick with Jason Nix there and, uh, and stick A-Rod at third and, you know, uh it's not. It's not going to totally kill them by itself. I mean, you know, they'll bat next ninth, and probably the second or third time he's up, they pinch hit for him with uh, with Eric Chavez or somebody anyway. Yeah. So, uh, so you know, it, it it it's it's not a good thing for the Yankees. Um, but uh, I don't think it kills them by itself. I think what kills them is that they, you know, clearly can't hit the Tigers' pitching, um, or any pitching right now. Maybe. <laughs> so you know, it, it's uh, it's Verlander tonight, right? So I think I mean, so. I, I, this is going to be the test, obviously. If they can, if they can hit Verlander, um, then uh, then or or laugh out Verlander and hit the bullpen, um, then they have a shot. And if they lose, obviously they're down three nothing, and they probably don't have a shot anyway.
2: Yeah, it's the statistical odds. Like, think the Red Sox are the last one to come back from three zero.
0: They're the only one, yeah, in in, uh, baseball history, at least. happened a couple times in hockey.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you for being on the show. Uh, Neil DeMoss runs FieldOfSchemes.com, and he has the book as well. Thank you for being on The Heather McCoy Show.
0: Sure thing. Talk to you next week.
2: Okay, talk to you next week.